0: It's time for Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good
1: morning, everybody. Welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're up and at Adam early this morning, getting set for college football today, Big Ten football at Memorial Stadium, the Illini and the Purdue Boilermakers. Lauren Tate is in the house. We'll both make our way over to the stadium as the morning moves along. morning, Mr. Tate. How Good are morning. you? Good morning. It's one, early. <laughs> it is early, but uh, we've got plenty of things to talk about. Will Leach will join us coming up shortly. Tom Deanhart will join us as well. At the bottom of the hour, he covers Purdue for the Rivals side over there. There was one Big Ten game last night, a defensive struggle. Maryland beat Minnesota in overtime 45-44. to So Minnesota will come to Champaign-Urbana next Saturday, we hope. But they'll be 0-2 on the season after losing that game at home to Michigan last week.
2: Maryland was a lot better in that football game, 675 yards. They lost the ball in the fourth quarter on the one-yard line, fumbled it. And a guy reaching over again and and losing the ball. And they had 10 penalties, and they still won the game. But um, neither team defensively um, was particularly good.
1: That's uh, an understatement. <laughs> that's
2: an understatement, isn't it?
1: I wondered, though, at the end of the game, when it was already proven that nobody was stopping anybody pretty much yeah. all night long, why not, uh, if you're Minnesota, on the road, why not just go for two and the game's going to end either way, one well, way or the I other.
2: Done it. I think he probably would have done that maybe, you know, maybe on the next – If he had
1: time to sleep on it like I did. Well,
2: but. that's right. I mean, I, I think most coaches figure they need to kick the extra point If you're in desperate circumstances, like Indiana was against Penn State, and you're clearly not the better team, maybe Uh, I say clearly, maybe, but I mean, I don't think Indiana. I don't think most people feel like Indiana's as good as Penn State, even though they won the football game. And uh, I think that they just decided to take a shot when when they had a chance to win it, and and it worked. But boy, you'd hate to, well, missing that extra point. you, You just don't expect that at all.
1: Right, Maryland wins it. 45-44 in overtime last night, the home game for Maryland. On the schedule today, of course, Purdue here at Illinois at 11 o'clock. Michigan State plays at Michigan at 2.30. It's Indiana at Rutgers, Northwestern at Iowa. You've certainly heard that the Wisconsin at Nebraska game has been canceled. It will go down as a no contest, not a forfeit, not a win or a loss for either team. Then coming up tonight, number three, Ohio State is at... Number eighteen, Penn State, in the six thirty game. We'll talk about that and some other things. Will Leach is with us on the phone, at eight zero three on Atlanta Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Good morning, Will. How are you?
0: Uh very well. I'm. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm. I live in a swing state right now, so I'm ready for the ads to go away. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of ads. My 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 son my son uh, my nine year old my seven year old suddenly have lots of thoughts about middle class tax cuts. So I'm ready for the election to get over when it keeps being from a sweet
2: state. I think, I'll, I'll say one thing. We're not ready for the ads to go away. We need the ads to, <laughs> to stay in business. That's true, that's true. <laughs> well, the
1: prob- I think most people, though, watching are with you, Will. And, uh, let's get this over with. We're within a couple of days now. Let's uh, let's see how it shakes out. We want to talk to you about a lot of things, not necessarily politics, but uh, let's start with the World Series. They They finally got that in. The Dodgers uh, win it. I I wouldn't have bet money, I think, back uh, a few months ago that baseball would get through unscathed, basically unscathed, after what happened uh, with the Marlins and the Cardinals early on.
0: Yeah, you know, it really is remarkable. If you go back, I wrote a piece for New York Magazine last week looking back at what everyone was writing uh, when the Marlins and the Cardinals had their outbreak. and. You know, I mean, there, there was an idea. And listen, it wasn't just people writing it, you know, saying that, like, they should stop this. They shouldn't keep going. At one point, Rob Manfred himself said, listen, if we don't get this under the control, we will have to have to cancel the season. And they got through it, you know, and they got through it uh, really the way that I think uh, uh, they kind of had to. You know, they, they did constant testing uh they the the players seem to buy in i think a lot about the time when the cleveland when mike clevenger uh and 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 uh and Ple- and Pleasic from uh, from cleveland uh they got suspended and their teammates said get out of here when they when they broke team protocols i think there was an understanding after the marlins and the cardinals incident that the season was in legitimate peril and i think that uh, the, the league and the players acted accordingly. I mean, it's really remarkable until the Justin Turner thing, which we should, we, should, we can definitely talk about, but until the Justin Turner thing, we went almost a month and a half, I think, without a single player testing positive in baseball, which is really remarkable when you consider the virus is actually growing around the country, and they are traveling around that country. They weren't in a bubble. Uh, it really is kind of remarkable they were able to pull it off, and I know uh, it, it. baseball's made a lot of mistakes, and I think Manfred's made a lot, a lot of mistakes, and I think they certainly opened themselves up to a lot of criticism. But it really is pretty remarkable that, that, that they pulled it off. Though, as we see with the Justin Turner, the Turner thing, they pulled it off just in time. Right, right. <laughs> Imagine if the Rays come back in that game. Uh, I'm still not sure we've played Game 7 of the World Series right now if, uh, if the Rays would have come back in that game. So they certainly got in at the very skin of their teeth.
2: What happens now to Turner? What will be the decision by Major League Baseball on how to handle him?
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be a mess because they've still got to, you know, so far, you know, that doesn't appear to have spread uh, among anyone. Or, or the Dodgers are, uh, they. I think they're still doing testing. I'm not, not sure if they're still doing daily testing. I guess they probably just sent them all home. <laughs> but uh, at a certain level, uh, it's going to be, there's going to be a big an investigation about it, you know. and uh, According to MLB, they specifically, their people said, you cannot do this. You cannot go onto the field. You have to be isolated. You cannot come out and do this. And, uh, and he went out anyway, which, again, at a certain level, I think every athlete can understand, particularly someone like Justin Turner, who had been playing with that team for so long and like wanted to celebrate with his teammates. You can understand the mindset. You would like to see perhaps uh, a little bit larger picture <laughs> viewpoint and perspective on, on the matter. But it is also worth noting that MLB has questions that they have to answer about this too. The idea that a player could be pulled in the middle of a game because of a positive test is disturbing. <laughs> the, the notion that they that could get to that point. And it makes me wonder if they – if there wasn't, in fact, a little bit of false sense of security because of the quote bubble that they put in in Texas, it's hard to imagine if that was their policy all year. The season would have gotten finished. Like it feels like, like that. I wonder if they got a little looser because they were in the uh, in the bubble and thought they could get away with it a little bit more. But yeah, I, it certainly didn't. Uh, I think on one hand, you you. I think it's important to remember there's two separate aspects to this. There is Turner's irresponsibility by coming out in the field but there's also baseball screwing up by by allowing it to, for someone to be to be uh, tested positive in the middle of a game and actually to be pulled that is kind of a remarkable thing too and i think sometimes i think baseball kind of wants to have this be focused on turner and for good reason i think he was very very irresponsible but i think there's a lot of questions that they have to answer as well
1: <coughs> well Will, let's uh while we're on the subject of uh baseball let's Get your thoughts on a couple of things kind of Cardinal related. One, uh, the naming of Tony La Russa, the White Sox manager. Then we want to talk a little bit about uh, the Cardinals free agency as well and some other free agent moves or team moves regarding free agents. But your thoughts on Tony La Russa coming back to manage at the age of 76.
0: Yeah, it's certainly a, it's certainly a surprise considering I mean if you remember in 2011 he was looking a little old and rough in that one. remember there was the bullpen mistake uh, that he that he had when he, he called for the wrong pitcher there were a lot of like uh uh moments where he did not maybe seem as sharp as he had once been uh so that said uh, so I understand that like a lot of people, particularly with the White Sox being so kind of young and frankly having like a lot of players like uh, who maybe have a d- uh, different attitude about the game than Tony La Russa uh, has been known for having anyway. But I think there's certainly a concern among many that there will be a culture uh, clash and maybe he will be the wrong guy for that team. And I think his press conference frankly did not help that a little bit where they asked him about bat flips and he was like, well, we'll see if it's good for the winning of the team. And that feels like trouble, <laughs> to be honest, with a team like that. I will say though, as someone that watched Tony La Russa manage for sixteen years with the Cardinals, I don't, if he's the same guy or even close to the same guy, the thing about the thing that's really nice about having Tony La Russa as your manager, and listen, he's exhausting. Everything is a war. Everything is a fight. Everything is he's, he can be. He's obviously a grading personality in a lot of ways. But, like, I used to always joke that I love Tony La because he's the only person I know that takes Cardinals losses worse than me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that that's kind of the guy you want as your manager, right? Like, we, we can argue about how much effect a manager has. But, like, there is no question that Tony La Russa desperately, almost, like, over too emotionally wants to to win and that is exhausting. It can wear you out and it certainly makes your opponents not like you. And it might not even necessarily be good for the game. However, if I'm a White Sox fan and I want to win a bunch of games, there is a guy whose life's goal is to win every single game and loses his mind when he loses game. At the end of the day As again, he he may not be the same guy that he was in St. Louis, but ultimately it's hard to argue that like this guy, what do I want for my team to do? I want my team to win. That's what I want. That's that's why I cheer for my baseball team because I want them to win games. The idea that uh, Tony La Russa would make a team less likely, like he's a nice guy to have on your side. Like that's what he wants is definitely to win. So I will see if he's the same guy, but I do think that a lot of the, there will be a culture clash, And if they can't figure that out, it's not going to work. But Tony Leroux said the guy really, really wants to win, and that's a team that's in a good position to win. I think it's more interesting and less of a – it could be a, a, a potential disaster. But I do actually kind of understand the mindset, and uh, we'll, but we'll just see if it works. Uh,
2: Will, uh, do you think, based on looking back to the Snell incident, do you think we've taken analytics too far?
0: I think that uh, the, the Rays – did what has gotten them to that point in the mm-hmm. season, and I think that uh, if uh, if Kevin Cash, what like Kevin Cash said before the game, the third time through the order, I'm gonna pull Blake Snell, and he said that, and he's done that all year. Like that is not something he just started to do that game. Like that has been their process, and you know we spent a lot of time watching that series. Like the Dodgers, to me, seemed clearly to be the better team and had to have more talent and more more damage, more, more uh, talented players, really kind of up and down the roster. And the Rays still like found this way to like stick with them and hang with them and and could have even won that game and got it to a game seven, which again, because of Justin Turner, might still not have been played by now. So maybe it's good that they didn't get that. But the Rays were a good team and they did this through this process. Now, we can disagree with the process. Listen, the, uh, Joe Sheehan, the really smart baseball writer, has actually wrote, a, I think, a persuasive defense of, uh, of what Cash is doing. It didn't work. To me, the mistake was bringing in Nick Anderson, who'd really been struggling kind of that entire series. But the idea of pulling Blake Snell before his third time through the order is, has worked for them all year, even when he is quote unquote dealing. I think the old, the old idea is like, well, he's dealing, you can't take him out. But the thing about dealing is you're dealing until you're not. And, and I think that uh, I think the mistake was bringing and in Anderson. But the idea of, you know, this is a large part of baseball thinking now. It's third time through the order. The, the difference is dramatic as the third time through the order, and particularly with, the, with a pitcher like Snell. I. In the moment, I was like, "Come on, he's pitching great. How can you pull him out right now?" But that's happened. That like they have run the numbers on this stuff, and it generally does work. And to me, you know, the job. This is what's going to be interesting for someone like Larusa. Larusa is very much a gut manager. That's not how managers work now. Managers are basically like grinders at the poker table, right? <laughs> like you just play the odds and play the odds and play the odds, and eventually you'll come out ahead. You're not supposed to be like a high roller, uh, heavy risk, uh, uh, roll the dice and try to get a big hit and uh, that's what Cash was, Cash was doing, and it certainly looked bad in the moment. It did not turn out that well, but I would argue it was the pitcher he brought in who had been struggling rather than necessarily Snell, who, who by the way, had been pitched great for the first six innings, but suddenly had a few runners on. His last four batters had been a walk, a hit, a, a hard a hard line drive ground up. Like, it's not like he was right in that pure moment, but I do feel like it's become this sort of like everything in the world, this polarizing issue where it's like either you're for analytics or you're against analytics. I don't think analytics are out of control. Analytics by nature are about control. They're about efficiency. They're about like trying to control things that seem uncontrollable. Uh, The idea that they're they're somehow going to become less pervasive or people are going to listen to them less because of that, I I don't think that's very likely.
2: I'll say one thing. It doesn't look like the uh, batters are beating the switch. I mean, they're hitting into the switch constantly, and and uh, you know that thing certainly has been a big factor in batting averages. I wanted to ask you about Molina and Wainwright because uh, we see that Wong has not, you know, maybe is out in in the wilderness right now and uh, with the Cardinals. What what are they going to do? They don't have the money to pay them, do they?
0: I mean, they certainly say they don't. <laughs> they, they certainly are claiming that they don't. Uh, uh, you know, I will confess uh, even. I think there's no question that baseball teams have lost money this year. Players also lost money this year, by the way. I think everyone just kind of forgets that players lost like like nearly two-thirds of their salary this year. Uh, so, you know, the, the idea, I, I certainly, uh, not. we'll see what Wainwright and Molina want. Uh, to me, if the Cardinals are not willing to pay one year to a gold glover, $12.5 million, um, that's, that says a lot about maybe baseball in general, but definitely about the Cardinals. I think that is a, a scary idea, particularly because, you know, one of the things we've kind of always talked about when it, when it comes to baseball economics and this pandemic is sure. Baseball owners are losing a lot of, have lost money this year, or certainly did not make as much money as they thought they were going to. They have, however, made a ton more money than everybody thought they would for about 15 straight years now. So the yeah. idea that uh, that that one year would be like, oh no, now we're now we're running to the poorhouse, feels like a convenient narrative from the from the owners necessarily, rather than maybe reality. We don't know because we don't know their numbers. But certainly, uh, I've yet to hear I've yet to hear an owner say, oh no no, we're fine. I got plenty of money. Don't worry about me. I'm good. Like you're just never going to hear an owner say that. So uh, to me, it's disturbing. The Wong thing is disturbing. Wayne, Ryan, Molina, you know, to me, they're free agents. They've got a right to do to do what they want. And to me, uh, it really comes down to whether they want to end their career with card with the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals would be happy to do that. I also understand, in a way less than Wong, for example, why they would be hesitant to give them a big, huge contract for a, for for multiple years. So I think that may I can understand if that's. If, if Molina wants to do that, you hear rumors that he'd like to play with tools again. <laughs> you hear rumors that he might want to get out and do that. So, that, you know, if that's what they, if that's something he really wants to do, it feels like it goes beyond money that way. Uh, but listen, the Cardinals clearly seem to be a team in transition, one way or the other, right now. And uh, maybe that's saying goodbye to, to Wainwright Molina. But as someone who's been watching those guys forever, it's uh, it's still kind of hard to imagine either one of them wearing a different uniform.
1: Talking to Will Leach, let's go to college football. Illinois hosting Purdue today. The COVID uh, virus has hit college football at uh, various uh, times in the last few weeks, and certainly it didn't take it long to hit uh, the Big Ten with Wisconsin's game at Nebraska today canceled. There are some rumors that we haven't been able to uh, substantiate yet that uh, an Illinois player or two may be Uh, have tested positive but again we haven't haven't been able to to get final word on that but your thoughts on the way the football season has gone thus far uh will
0: you know i i I feel like to be honest my my model on this is is pretty uh, very close to kind of baseball and what we've seen from the nfl so far which is listen you're not going to get like a normal year this year and i feel like any sports we get Feels like a bonus, I guess, is the, is the best way to put it. I've heard a lot of people, obviously, down here uh, in SEC country, uh, there's already a raging debate of, uh, well, how can they let this Big Ten team in the college football championship? Or, or what about this Pac-12 team? How do they get to get in there when this team had to play so those I will confess that like those seem like debates from a year that is not this one. <laughs> like this year feels like. Listen, there's football happening right now. There is something on Saturday where you're able to watch football games, and maybe they'll be able to crown a champion, and maybe they'll be able to figure this out. But like baseball barely made it, and they have a massive testing system and millions and millions of dollars and universal rules and uh, and and had more leeway in the schedule to figure this stuff out. The idea that like. The, the Wisconsin thing is uh, this is obviously not going to be the first time this happens. You're going to see other games. They have no. There, there's going to be other games that are just going to get canceled, and it's going to make this weird kind of dog's breakfast of a season. <laughs> and uh, and it's just it's going to happen because not only is uh, this COVID messed things up, COVID is around much more prevalent now than it has been really any time since the pandemic started. So it feels like it's something that's going to ha- It's just going to happen. And we have to just accept it. I don't mean accept it like, okay, well people are going to be COVID, let it go. But like, you're not you're not going to stop it. Like this is not going to be a normal football season in any way, shape or form. We need to prepare ourselves for not having any idea who won the Eastern, the the, the Big Ten East, or not having any idea of who should be in the college football playoff, or even if there could possibly be a college football playoff. Like it feels like I know there's been a lot of talk in baseball, but like, should there be an asterisk for the Dodgers? I don't think there should be. And I don't think there should be for the Lakers or whatever happens in the NFL. When it comes to college football this year, it just doesn't, it just, it, it, everything is so skewed and weird. Like, how do you deal with Clemson? What if they lose to Notre Dame next week without, without Lawrence? What if the big, what if, what if Ohio state loses two games or Ohio state and Michigan don't play each other at the end of the year? How do you possibly resolve any of these things? Uh, to me, that's, That I think we just kind of have to accept that it's just not a normal year and it's not going to be a a normal year. It's not going to be like anything we've seen before. And just try to – I try to encourage people to just enjoy the actual experience of watching this game that's in front of you right now. Because I I found this year uh, uh, myself very appreciative for that moment. And sweating less. How does this fit? How's the big team going to work this out? Who's going to be in the playoffs? I don't know. I don't think there are answers to those questions. I'm just going to try to hope that the players are safe and everyone around them is safe. And I'm going to try to enjoy the games when I have them, but not sweat the larger context, because I think that's just going to be a losing battle.
2: Yeah, you know, we come on this morning, just a few hours before the kickoff at 11 o'clock, and and, uh, we'd like to tell everybody who's going to play today. And uh, I'm told do not be definitive. In other words, just talk around it, because we are pretty sure that somebody on the Illinois team has come down with a virus, and now you know that, uh, Lovey, I think as of Tuesday, we felt like uh, everybody, everything was okay. We had no virus. Actually, uh, as of Wednesday. Wednesday. Through Wednesday, yeah. Yeah, through Wednesday, but something has happened since then to make, to cause us to wonder, and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to show up today. We don't know if Moore's going to play for Purdue. We don't know who's going to play for Illinois. It's just one of those, uh, un- we'll know when they kick off, I guess.
0: Yeah, and it's weird, too, how accustomed already we've got to the idea to treat COVID as if, like, it's a hamstring issue. Or <laughs> if it's, like, we don't know who the actives are for today. But uh, uh, that, that, and I'm I, I going a joke about this in, like, April. I'd be like, wow, I wonder if we'll ever get to the point where it's, like, yeah, uh, oh, 15 day disabled list, COVID 19. And like that totally happened. <laughs> like we totally just started treating it as if, uh, uh, and it's obviously not, but it, it's true, you know. And I think the one thing that I am, the the one thing that I'm skeptical of anyone being is exactly what you're talking about, Lauren. Anyone who's definitive about anything. This is an unpredictable virus at a crazy time. And listen, you know, we, we also don't, like, if it turns out that Illinois has positives, we do not know if they got them from Wisconsin. We have no idea. We don't know. Where, we don't know where any of this. Stuff. Like it's it's a it's an unpredictable virus, and no one. And there's still so much we don't know about, and we also don't really have proper contact tracing in a lot of ways, and are not able to really discover a lot of these things. So, to me, like it's just there. If there's football, if there's people playing, you just want everyone to be safe. But like, yes, it, you can't treat it. It's just not like any other year, and and well, I feel like we're trying to put like the coverings and the the trappings and the normalcy of other years onto this year. It's like, well, we don't know if Moore's going to play and we don't know how many Illinois guys are going to be able to suit up. Yeah, and you're not going to know next week either. And you're not going to know if there is going to be a game because that's just what this year is. And uh, and I, I feel like uh, I find a certain zen of just being like, okay, I just hope everyone's okay and I hope there's a game. And other than that, I can't do anything about it.
1: Hey, Will, we appreciate your time as always. Have a good uh, rest of your weekend. What do you have planned? Are you uh... – are you covering any games over the weekend?
0: Uh, we're, we're trying to, I, again, I think everyone is just preparing for the goal of, of everyone. I know is just try to get as much sleep as they can before Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's the, that's the, that's the general we everyone's sports Georgia plays at the same time as Illinois does today. So everyone's just going to be able to get a good night's sleep and get rested up before, uh, uh, b- before whatever, whatever's coming on Tuesday. So I think that's, uh, that's the goal. And, uh, After that, uh, speaking of uncertainty, embrace the uncertainty. (laughs) Embrace the
2: uncertainty. I like that.
0: Okay. That's all you
1: can do. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Always good to talk to you.
0: Of course. Be safe, guys. Thank you.
1: You too. We'll lead you with us at 824. We'll take our first time out here on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us.
0: Join us
3: later this morning after Saturday Sports Talk and Illini game day for the 11 o'clock kickoff, Illinois and Purdue from Memorial Stadium
1: twenty-seven Illini fellas, Saturday Sports Talk We're with you right here on News Talk 1400 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 9 today. And then our Fighting Illini pregame coverage begins at 9 with Scott Beatty and company. And we work our way all the way through. I'll be back on with you at 10 o'clock from Memorial Stadium as the Illini get set to uh, take on the Purdue Boilermakers. And covering the Boilermakers is our old friend Tom Deanhart, who is with us on the phone on the way to Champaign-Urbana. Good morning, Tom. How are you?
3: Doing great. we got a beautiful day for football, don't we? Uh, I love these uh, early starts, sunshine, last day, and uh, we have an interesting contest at our doorstep today, fellas.
1: We just had uh, U of I graduate Will Leach, who comes on with us about once a month. He was on just a few minutes ago, and he kind of gave us a new motto to to live by is to embrace the uncertainty. And that uh, certainly kind of uh, describes the big 10 season with uh, the COVID hitting college football and the big 10 specifically. Um, And it hit Purdue with uh, Jeff Brom being out last week. Is Purdue pretty healthy now? Yeah. You know, Jeff's back. He's feeling better. They
3: also were without their uh, special teams coach last week, Marty Biasi. So they were down a couple coaches um, but, yeah, as far as COVID goes, uh, they're in good shape, uh, at least as far as we know. Uh, injury wise, uh, still the status of Rondell Moore uh, up in the air for today. Uh, same for their, uh, I guess, their projected starting running back, King Daru. Um Those are probably the two big guys. Also, the starting left guard, Cam Craig, he is going to be out for sure. But again, the status of King Daru, Rondell Moore up in the air. Stay tuned on that one.
2: What are you hearing from your standpoint uh, about uh, Peters and the Illini, and who who do you hear might not be here if you know the, anything?
3: <laughs> Sounds like maybe down their number three quarterback today for Illinois, uh, Matt Robinson, I guess, in California six one one ninety. I mean, maybe he's the guy. I, I don't have any more of a clear picture than you guys probably do. I've detected with some of your media members some fellow Purdue people. And it seems to be that maybe COVID hit the Illinois quarterback room. Again, that's just a rumor. Yeah, uh, Maybe they'll be without Brandon Peters. And uh, of course, Isaiah Williams, the dynamic athlete from St. Louis, but again, not ideal. Uh, and uh, if, if it is Robinson, um, you know, again, like, like you guys know, he, he has a couple of starts under his belt. Still guys, again, um, somebody told me before we even started the year uh, 2020, the victory is going to be just in getting these games played, isn't it?
2: You're not kidding. By the way, uh, even though you don't might not have more, boy, that Bell is something else. He looked like the best receiver in the Big Ten. Thirteen catches yeah, Lone, last week, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he was the Big Ten Freshman of the Year last year from Indianapolis Warren Central High School. Six one, about two oh five. He catches everything. Um, you know, it's not a blazer, but again, just one of those technicians. And, yeah, you're exactly right, Lauren. co-Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week last week, 13 catches for over 100 yards, three touchdowns as well. So uh guarantee, uh, of course, Purdue's going to target him early and often today. And last week, guys, he was targeted 21 times, if you can believe it.
1: Hmm. Visiting with Tom Deanhart, who covers the Purdue Boilermakers. It's always a bus ride from West Lafayette to uh, Champaign-Urbana. Anything different about uh, the bus ride? Did they uh, go ahead and come over yesterday?
3: Yeah, you know, they were, they were coming over today. Um, oh. We talked to Jeff Thursday for the last time, and he said that they were taking more buses than usual to Illinois just for their, to spread people out. He said they were going to have some meetings back on campus that they usually have at the, at the hotel in the visiting city just because, I guess, in Illinois there's restrictions on how many people can be in any one room for meetings at a time. So, again, uh, a, few, uh, a few new protocols to deal with these circumstances. And also, guys, I asked Jeff typically on when is Purdue tested for the last time before a game is played. He said usually on game day. But he said since it's an early start today, 11 a.m. local time, but was going to be tested the night before, so a little different testing protocol for Purdue for this game as well today.
2: So all their testing was done in Lafayette and not none in Champaign. Is that correct?
3: That's what that that's what Jeff told us was going to happen on Thursday, Lauren. Yeah, they were going okay. to test the day before and then bus over.
2: What time would they arrive? Do you think?
3: I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really not sure exactly the um, the time. Uh, and again, I, I I I'm not sure of all the protocols and the uh, and, and the itinerary, but again, uh, j- just a crazy crazy season when when you gotta you know just accommodate and do things you know typically different.
1: They won't have to worry about a traffic jam. At least <laughs> <No>. <laughs> only yeah. only about uh, a thousand uh, people expected to be inside the stadium of parents. Each uh, player is entitled to four tickets, and whether or not each player uses all those is. We don't know how that goes, but there might be a 1,000 or so people with the game today. Were you surprised last week, not so much that Purdue won the game against Iowa, but uh, the the way they hung in there in the opener? And what, if anything, did surprise you?
3: Yeah, you know, um, Purdue was a home underdog. And uh, it was was surprising to see him come out of the gate and play that well against a, a traditionally tough and physical opponent like Iowa. Um, especially, again, Jeff Brom wasn't on the sidelines, so that was a huge X factor as well. Brian Brom, of course, his younger brother, had to uh, act, he served as the acting head coach and was uh, the play caller as well. And, and again, nobody knew what to expect there, but lo and behold, again, Purdue on both sides of the ball, played pretty well. Um, uh, and defensively, guys, the new coordinator, Bob Diaco, installed a new scheme. Nobody quite knew what to expect there. And then defense, I think, for the most part, Responded pretty well, and uh, you know, again, they, they, they didn't check all the boxes off, but it was, it was a good first effort for Purdue's defense moving forward. And in the end, guys, you know, they got that stop to seal the victory, which was huge for Purdue. So they really had something to build on defensively, and of course, offensively as well. We talked about you know David Bell a little bit earlier, um, and that, that was certainly a nice game to get out of the gate that quickly.
1: Another minute or two with Tom Deanhart, some big uh, basketball news in uh, the state of Indiana with a verbal commitment for the Boilermakers. So you guys covered it very well on the Rivals site, but uh, how big is that?
3: Yeah, Trey Kaufman is one of the biggest recruits that Matt Painter has gotten since he took over for Gene Cady back in, what, 2005 or so. Uh, six nine kid from southern Indiana of all places, fellas, and typically cannot get blue-chip you know basketball players out of southern Indiana for obvious reasons, right? The home of Bloomington, the IU, of course, Kentucky and Louisville aren't far away either. So, again, just a big cue from App Painter, a big feather in his cap to get this kid. Uh, the second commitment in the class of 2021 for Painter earlier got a 6'9 kid from the Fort Wayne area named Caleb First. So, you know, Purdue has two good frontcourt players uh, coming aboard next year to go along with a nice set of guards that have already matriculated the program. So I know Illinois is really excited about the direction of this basketball program. Who thinks it's really got an injection of good young talent coming in, uh, you know, in the next
2: year or so.
1: Well, Tom, uh, we'll let you go with this. At least uh, the way the forecast looked, we won't be playing this game in the rain like we did last year over there. <laughs> I was hoping for rain. Uh, so it should be a pretty good ball game. <laughs> what, what What do you, uh, in, in this time of uncertainty, it's hard to say, but what would you expect to see uh, from both sides in this game today,
3: it's going to be tied. I mean, Illinois is such an X factor again with the unknown at quarterback we talked about earlier. Um, you know, Purdue's about his touchdown favorite, and I guess I'll be surprised if they don't find a way to win this ball game. I think, I think it's going to be closer maybe than people think. Uh, I think Illinois is going to respond uh, after after that dismal effort in the opener at Wisconsin, but in the end, I, I'm just not sure if Illinois is going to be able to score enough points to keep up with Purdue. Uh, I think Purdue will get their share of points. And, again, I'm just not sure if Illinois is going to be able to match offense or if Purdue is going to be able to put on the scoreboard.
1: Hey, Tom, we appreciate your time. We look forward to seeing you at Memorial Stadium. Drive safely. Thank you, fellas. Be good. You bet. Tom Deanhart from the Rivals site covering Purdue. 8.36 is the time. Illinois fellas, Saturday Sports Talk. We're headed towards 9 o'clock. The rest of the way is an open line. If you'd like to jump in on any subject, we'll take a break. And be back with more after this.
3: Join us for the Lovey Smith Show on Monday night, 7 to 8 on DWS. We'll take a look back at the Purdue game. Look forward to Minnesota coming up Monday night at 7.
1: Minnesota on the short end of a score last night in the Friday night Big Ten game, 45 to 44 at Maryland. So the Gophers are 0 and 2 on the season.
2: I might remind you that Minnesota was ranked in the top 20, uh- prior to the season. And our friend... How they doing? Our
1: friend Bob Ostbussen had him <laughs> ranked pretty high even after the loss to Michigan. Phone line is open, 356 Let's go to Eric in Champaign. Good morning, Eric.
4: Hey, morning, guys. Uh, I was, two things I was thinking of. Um, one, you know, with... Um, with you know, next year coming up for all these teams, I'm still thinking ahead a lot. Um, I was reading the NBA was talking about they're still going to lose like a billion dollars with no gate. You know, with having no fans because they don't figure there's any way that's quite possible yet. You know, they don't know when to start the season. Um, some some want to start it in December. They want to start in December, I guess, and the players want to start Martin Luther King Day. So um, I guess there's like no end in sight for that for those sports for baseball, football, hockey, and um, um, and basketball. And, um, and then for the, for the COVID stuff, I mean, what they're doing over at the U of I with the testing and everything, it seems like that's the only way to do things, to actually snuff it out as best you can, you know, is to catch everybody as often as you can and then and then isolate them. Um, I mean, and if it's not working here, you know, where, where, where does it work, you know? I mean, yeah, just, just a couple thoughts.
2: Well, of course, you're just talking about testing, and we can do testing all we want, but that doesn't mean you, you don't get the virus. I mean— it can still happen. Uh, I think the the big problem that Illinois's got is is with the amount of money that's being lost, can you restructure all the loans that they have? They've got so many uh, situations like that with so many loans and so so many things that they've invested in uh, facility wise that that have to be paid. and so you know it's uh this is a real mess I, I don't know how you I don't know how you work out of it It's going to take a lot of years to ever get back and, and you know they're going to have to cut back on sports and cut back on travel and cut back in every way to try to get back mm-hmm. on on an even keel. so it's yeah, it's, no, a, it's a real no, problem I mean it's a real problem the one that we can't no even doubt. you know I, I can't even uh, understand how how serious it is because it's just I, I can't imagine what uh, Josh Whitman's going through. You know, right. he, he's got a situation here with the football program that if it continues to falter, and as we're seeing from people all around the country, wonder how, how long can you stay with Lovey if, if 50 games doesn't tell you anything, how how many games does it take? And um, yet they can't afford to break up the coaching staff because it's just too expensive. So I I don't know. Good points. All right, guys. Keep, keep it up. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Eric. We appreciate it. Let's go to Steve calling from Princeton. Hey, Steve.
5: Good morning, guys. Hey, I just got a quick question, and I don't know if there's an answer to it, but when P.J. Fleck took over at Minnesota, they were in turmoil. Mm -hmm. You know, like 16, 17 players were sexual assault and everything was in disarray. Uh, Greg Sciano takes over at Rutgers, and everybody was saying that Rutgers was in turmoil. And they go to Michigan State and win a game and score some points. And how can those programs turn it around so much quicker – but Illinois is still trying to find its uh, place and uh, show improvement.
2: You want to answer that, Steve? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not all, sure Rutgers one game is, is a tournament. Yeah. Rutgers is one game against a really weak Michigan State team that has got a new coach and new players and it's fallen way behind. So, I, I mean, the Rutgers thing is yet to be proven. I mean, Sheano is a good coach, as we know from the past, but... I don't think you can. I don't think you can say they've turned it around. They've won one game. Now Fleck has has done a really good job, but he's off to a shaky start this year. So I, you know, I, I maybe there's just things I I can't explain it. I don't know how Fleck has done it. He's done a tremendous job up there so far, up to this point. But it wasn't a very good loss last night for him. I know that. But they're scoring points.
5: You know, they're making it entertaining. You yeah. know, where you know. The defense outscored the offense last week
6: in Madison.
2: Yeah, it was it was it was a really bad effort. I mean that there's no doubt about that. But again
6: but I'm scared it, about going. I'm scared about going
5: to
3: Rutgers now.
2: Well, in more yeah. ways
1: than one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I was scared about going there, just going to New Jersey in the first place, but now the Rutgers might be a little more formidable and not necessarily an automatic win on the schedule. I see your point. Hey Steve, thanks. We appreciate it. Need to move on real quickly to Alan in Montrose. Go ahead, Alan.
6: Well, there's no automatics uh, this year for sure that we can tell, but as far as the record situation, one game not going to, you know, it takes a lot more to have a turnaround. Uh, I have two questions, one basketball, one football. Football one is, Is Isaiah Williams even completed the pass at University of Illinois yet?
2: I don't, I guess he has. I I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think he has. Well, you might be right. I I don't. You remember Steve? I can't remember if he's completed. I can tell back. you real quick if you he's, give me. If he's thrown, he's yeah. only thrown a
6: few.
1: Yeah, he was over three last and, week. And. Uh,
6: I think he was over last year too.
1: I think you're right, but he had you know in his defense he hadn't gotten in there much. Matt Robinson was mainly the the backup last year and started those two games when Peters didn't.
2: Well, let's, let's I put that, it this way. He's not showing what we hoped that uh, he would show as a four-star quarterback, and, um, right. uh, you know, and I, I don't... Ball re-
6: coming out of his hand, the ball coming out of his hand doesn't look right to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like... It almost looks like the ball is too big for his hand the way it comes out, and it's all over the place. But that's just me. Uh, uh
1: basketball so what, question... Hang on, before you do that, Last year, he was three for ten with one interception.
6: Oh, he completed three? Yep. Well, I don't remember seeing him. Okay. Uh, well, I was have- wrong on that. Uh, basketball, we lost uh, two of our potential recruits for next year. Oh, uh, we've, next lost, year. we've
2: lost dozens of potential recruits. Why would you say we only lost two? We well, lost three I know of in the, the last uh, few weeks.
6: Oh really? Okay. Well, we offer I've twenty, so far, twenty, thirty
2: guys. I mean,
6: I've been so far behind on the recruiting part of it that I just know the two of the main ones, and I didn't know who was really who we're looking for next, whether it's in the state of Illinois or out of state.
2: I don't think they're looking for anybody in the state of Illinois right now. I think that that big Etn big center out east is the, is, the one, is the key guy right now because they need a center. They desperately need a center because, you know, if Kofi doesn't come back, you got to have a center. And they right. would have uh, Georgie for another year if, if you want to switch him back. And, and I shouldn't say switch. He's playing mostly center in practice now anyway.
1: George. And if, if Georgie decides to stay, he's, he mm-hmm. might have some opportunities to, to mm-hmm. make some money playing basketball somewhere. So, hey, Alan, yeah. thanks. Appreciate that. Need to take a quick break here. We'll do that. We'll be back with more. We're going until just 9 o'clock. If you're calling in, hang on. We'll get back to you in just a moment. 8.46 on Illinois Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. 8.48, heading to 9 o'clock, Illinois Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Fighting Illini game day with Scott Beatty and company comes up at 9. I'll be back on the air with you at 10. Illinois football at 11. The Illini and the Purdue Boilermakers at Memorial Stadium, three five six nine three nine seven is the number. If you want to get in the next uh, ten minutes or so, Ron in Urbana. Hey, Ron, you're on the air. Go ahead.
0: Hey, good morning, fellas.
3: Um, I have kind of one of those "what if" questions now that Wisconsin has
0: canceled or they've canceled the Nebraska-Wisconsin game. What if Wisconsin has to cancel a second game, but they go and finish the season seven and zero? I guess it would be, but another team ends up eight and one, who then goes to the conference championship.
2: The unbeaten team, percentage wise, if you're unbeaten and the other team's got one loss, you're going to go,
3: even though they played fewer games so long. Yes, I
5: mean they like they're asking me. Yes,
2: (laughs) yes, yes. You have to play six games, but you only have to play six. Ah, I'm just ticket. giving you okay. the rules. I'm not saying what's right. No,
0: I appreciate it, Lord. I just didn't know the rules, and I was one.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, thanks,
2: guys. Have yeah. a great day. It's, yeah, thank you, Ryan. It's going to be based on percentage, that's what I'm told.
1: Let's go to Marty real quick in uh, Pinehurst. Hey, Marty.
5: Morning, guys. Did you guys come on just an hour show today?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. sir. We came on at 8 an hour early, and we're off at yeah, 9, and our pregame coverage starts at 9.
5: So I hope I'm not re- repeating on anything. Um Listening to you guys talk and listening to people call in, the Minnesota job at Fleck, as I remember, although they had the sexual assault thing, they also had a team that went to a bowl game but voted not to play for some reason. So they weren't as bankrupt of talent as some people were. That's right. Um, Yeah, so that helps a little bit. Um, As I look at this with the uncertainty on money, and the fact that you don't know how many guys might come back next year because of the way things are, I, I don't think you're going to fire a coach even if they have a bad season because I don't think you can afford to do it.
2: That's right.
5: You've got way too many unknowns to be doing that, and uh, and you. I just don't think that's going to When you happen. fire
2: a coach, you've got a whole staff. you got a huge staff. Oh, yeah. People, then. not Run, just the people on they, the field. you got a, all the other staffers. You just don't know how many of those you'd yeah. be able to keep. And then a new coach always wants his own people. And next thing you know, yeah. it's running. Next thing you know, millions it runs dollars. into money.
5: Okay. <laughs> yeah, it runs into millions of dollars. And guess what? This ain't a time to come up with more debt.
2: Oh,
1: no. Uh,
5: yeah. Anyway, um, did Will Leach have anything to say about a Rosarine or any of the stuff Moselec said this week?
1: No, we didn't talk about... Uh... Your man, uh, Rosarina, we talked about Tony yeah, Russo. He, we talked he, about Wayno and Yachty and Wong.
5: Yeah, he preempted. Mosaic was smart and preempted. The, you know, he hit that right off the bat. I, I did find it interesting. He said, perhaps we're ne- going to need to look at how we're evaluating people yep. in, the, in the system. And I'm like, no kidding.
2: Don't keep people that I'm, can't I'm hit a curveball. That's the first thing.
5: Lord Almighty. Can't, can't hit a breaking ball with two strikes that starts on the off the plate and goes a foot outside. Uh, anyway, um, okay, I, I was hoping Will might have something on that, and I missed that part of it. Uh, I anyway.
1: don't know what you uh, – you know, Mosaic basically said, okay, that one's on me. Yeah. He, he, he took one for yeah. the team there. I mean, not much else he could say, and I don't know. Well, he's,
5: you, you got to evaluate on Libertor what he does. He's a good pitcher, but he, he's rated as a number three starter potentially. So is that going to be a, a good deal when you're pitching heavy and offense light as a, as a system? I, I, but, you know me, I was on him before he ever, anyone ever heard of him because of what he was doing in the minor leagues. The question is how do you – Lane Thomas had never batted over 260 in the minors, ever. And they pulled him up and they wanted to give him a shot ahead of a Rosarina who batted over 300 at every stop in the minors with a great on base. I just don't understand what they're thinking is. But that's for another day. You guys uh, enjoy the game day today. I hope the weather's great up there. And uh, I'm just, I, uh, I was late because I was getting my daughter off because she's uh, from the U of I, went to school there. Now she works at the Illini Press, and she's been down here three weeks, so she's heading back today. Cool. So I missed a little bit of the show.
1: Well, no problem, Marty. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it as right. always. right. Bye-bye. The weather is good. It's, gonna, it's sunny and going to be maybe a mid-50s somewhere along the way, not certainly at kickoff, but uh, at least the sun's out. Might get a little breezy before the day's over. Illinois and Purdue at 11 o'clock at Memorial Stadium. Basketball, 25 days from today, mm. perhaps, <laughs> will, will be the first college basketball games. So that's the first day that anybody can play. And the Big Ten ACC Challenge matchups came out this week. Very yep. interesting. And the marquee game right out of the gate is Illinois at Duke.
2: December eight or nine is we. I think know for it's sure? the eighth, but I'm yeah. not positive. Yeah.
1: I, I think it will be the eighth, but uh, yeah, the uh, the whole Even thing. is... Even though
2: there are not going to be fans there, we think uh, tough game to win at Duke. I don't care what your rank is. Right, it's just hard to win at Duke. It is Illinois has done it. I was there when they did it, but I. It's, it's not easy.
1: It was back and that broke a 95 game non-conference home court winning streak for Duke back in yep. 1995. Yeah. But uh, some good matchups there. You've probably seen those. We won't run down all of those. But um, Illinois at Duke, Michigan State at Virginia, and UNC, North Carolina at Iowa might be the, the top three games in in that series.
2: Yeah, it's going to – you know, things are going to even out. I mean, everything. Every, it, 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 it looks like Iowa and Illinois are at the top of the league right now, but we haven't played any games. We don't know. And we've got the virus to deal with, and you've got some good players coming out. Indiana's got good players. Michigan State's got good players. It's going to be a, a, a dogfight. It's, it's going to be a dogfight just to try to stay in the top 25 because you can lose games in this league.
1: Also this week, Io DeSumo named first-team All-American preseason mm-hmm. by CBS Sports, so more accolades coming in for him. And Michigan is tearing it up on the recruiting trail. They got another uh, – Five Highly star. touted five-star guy, and now they have the number one recruiting class for 2021.
2: It's awful early. It is, <laughs> but that's a good start. And well, Illinois has missed on some key guys, and and uh, but it's not over, and and they they've got a really big one coming up.
1: Wrapping things up, I'll get your thoughts on uh, the game here in just a moment. But uh, had a chance to talk this week to Dave Rollins from the Pillow Window Store. We've got some. Condo damage in my neighborhood from the hailstorm back in uh, July, early July, and uh, some windows and screen work being done. But if you need any of that kind of work or just might be in the market for new windows and doors, give the folks at uh, the Pella Window Store, 101 North Country Fair Drive, a call. Ask about their lifestyle series of wood windows and patio doors to provide outstanding sound control and energy efficiency. All at a really good value. Most styles are available with the triple pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. The Lifestyle Series, you could choose the features that fit your project's unique style. And with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, you'll find the Lifestyle Series windows of patio doors to complement your home and budget. The Fellow Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive, open Monday through Friday. 8 to 5, give them a call at 356-6474. Got about uh, less than a minute left here on this shortened edition of uh, Lottie Saturday Sports Talk. What do you expect to see coming up here in a couple of hours, Mr. Tate?
2: (laughs) I expect to see the unexpected. (laughs) There you go. I do think that Illinois will be able to hold Purdue down on the ground. It's certainly a question whether they can, you know, in the past I've known uh, Lovey to to use a – five uh, secondary defense, and maybe they need to have an extra defender back there to try to stop Bell and and whoever they got receiving passes, because we know they're going to throw, and it's going to be a day they can throw.
1: More from Lauren Tate coming up on our Fighting Illini game day coverage, and that's coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody.